We need to talk about ideas, good ones and bad ones. We need to learn stuff about the world. We need an honest, intelligent, thought-provoking, and entertaining review of what the hell happened on this planet in the last seven days. We need to sit back and listen to the Iron Fist and the Velvet Glove. Yes, dear listener, a lot has happened in the last seven days. It's, it's busy times in the world. In our little study of society course that we're conducting here on the Iron Fist Velvet Glove podcast, there's momentous changes happening that... Um, Normally might take several years and they're happening in the course of a month or two. So I am Trevor the Iron Fist. Uh, with me as always is Paul the 12th Man. Greetings, Earthlings. And stepping in for the Velvet Glove is Was the Beer Sponsor. Good on you, Was. G'day, listeners. So tonight, dear listener, we've got uh, a few topics to talk about. And if you're in the chat room, say hello and um, start off some conversations in there. We'll try and get to any comments that we can. Um, so what's on the agenda? Well, we'll talk all, Well, we're going to talk about China, obviously. <laughs> I mean, it's been in the news. We talk about China even when it's not in the news. So we're going to be talking about China. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about COVID-19 and we'll talk a little bit about free speech and vaccinations. And sorry, was Footballers. Gonna, yes, sorry. My favourite. We're going to talk about footballers and a few other things along the way. But... Um, China, foreign policy and all that sort of stuff. But uh, I'm going to lead off. I'm just going to say, um, language warning, by the way, dear listener, like on this podcast, we do occasionally drop the F word. So Fire truck. Yeah, that's it. So, yeah. Look, uh, this Morrison government is hopeless in my view and they've just proved it again this week. So they mucked up the whole COVID-19. Well, they mucked up the, fi- the fires, the bushfires for starters. They mucked up the COVID-19 economic rescue because they gave money to companies that weren't in trouble. Then they gave big money to JobSeeker, which encouraged employers to sack people. And then when it was too late, they then gave money to the employers and said, here's money to keep your employees, rehire them. But then they did it in such a way where the employers had to come up with all this cash because there's a big delay where they had to pay their employees all this money before they'd see any cash. And these guys pride themselves on being experts in business and understanding business. And, you know, if Labor had done half of this stuff, they would have gone, oh, Labor don't understand anything about business. But Mm. fundamental errors about how business works, they had no knowledge of. What else have they mucked up? Um, Well, they're mucking up our relationship with China. We'll get into that in detail. (laughs) And they want to muck up our future rights by allowing Peter Dutton to set up Home Office Stasi by the looks of things. Like, they've been busy boys when it comes mm. to stuffing up things, I think. So uh, they just don't understand stuff. And if, yeah, okay. He knows marketing. He, yes. He does know <laughs> marketing, it seems. Well, he doesn't actually because he was a shitty marketer. When he was in the Australian Tourism Board and the New Zealand one, they sacked him. Yeah, they sacked him. Yeah. So his, his campaign with Lara Bingle and the Where the Hell Are You campaign was terrible. So It wasn't well received. No, was waste of money. So, um, so no, he doesn't even know marketing. But um, What did you it, think of the, the campaign? I can't yeah, remember you, that much. You don't remember it. Do you remember it, it Laura Bingle? Uh, it wasn't. I successful. do remember Laura Bingle. Yeah, yeah. So I thought she was outstanding. I remember things like that. Mm. So we're going to get on to China, but before we do, 
Uh, it's also, if that wasn't bad enough, protests in Melbourne and Sydney. Yes. Over, like, all sorts of conspiracy things to do with, you know, 5G and coronavirus. And people, there was a crowd in Melbourne who were chanting for Bill Gates to be arrested. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> now, in Australia, they were chanting for Bill Gates to be arrested. Yeah. For goodness sake. What was that fact I shared with you a couple of weeks ago? Um, 4% of Americans think that the world is controlled by lizard overlords. That's right. And 4% of their population is 12.5 million people. Yeah. Actually believe lizard overlords control the world. Yeah. So it's a worry. It's yeah. depressing. <laughs> and I'm really depressed because some of my right wing friends. You have right wing friends. I, I do. Apart Tony. from right wing Tony. Yeah, Tony and David. David might even be listening. Alan Jones. So I've just been hearing so much anti China rhetoric and sort of pro Trump talking points mm. on on. Facebook and social media. I just, I just can't believe people are falling for this. So, but why are you linking anti-China with pro-Trump? I'm seeing it from the same people. That's what I'm saying. I'm seeing really anti-China. Um, we just shouldn't. We'll stop selling stuff to them. You know, that'll teach them. Stop buying their rubbish. Li- literally, <laughs> let's stop selling them stuff because that'll teach them. And I just, I want to smack myself in the head and go, that's not how it works. That's. Mm. That's that's not how it works. But do you ever get that feeling, yeah. Waza? What uh, feeling? When you hear somebody say something about China and you, and you think, yeah. no, that isn't how it works. <laughs> we'll get on to China very soon. But before we do, just one more thing. Um, and I got this article from The Australian. So The Australian is good for something. So, like, we do pick and choose. Like when you run out of dunny paper. No, well, they do have some occasional artists, like, even the worst of sources can sometimes come up with something good. And, uh, and my neighbour uh, pointed this out to me. He is, uh, f- well, he's retired now. He was one, he was one of Brisbane's um, most respected um, consultants, ex-sort of Pricewaterhouse, and mm-hmm. still knows lots of people in the insolvency world. And basically they're saying there's a ticking time bomb in the economy where uh, Morrison has promised, you know, until October, a bunch of money for different businesses here you go. And the other thing they've done is they've said, um, normally in bankruptcy, if you allow your company to trade and you know it can't pay its debts, then you become personally liable for those debts. But during this coronavirus um, crisis, the government said there's a six-month sort of moratorium on that rule. So mm. if you just persist and allow the company to keep going, we mm. won't... Um, you know, you're not going to be caught with the debts. Mm. And so there's a lot of companies out there where they would normally have wound up, but they figure, huh, I'll see it till through the end of October. And apparently there's just a heap of them ready to crumble come October. Mm. And there's a bunch of other businesses which might seemingly be okay, but they're relying on payments from those zombie companies. So um, we're not out of the woods um, by long shot. So, um, is that a bad thing though? That some businesses go out of business. Like if they're inefficient businesses, isn't it? Isn't it an opportunity to do a bit of a clear out? It, 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 
I mean, but there was a lot of marginal the, businesses. The normal already. economic cycles that sort of happens naturally, right? So yeah, this isn't normal. And you're right, though. It's going to be a clearing out of a lot of marginal businesses that mm. were. Um, but I mean, when it's done, there'll be some short-term pain, obviously, but yeah. they'll, they'll, it might actually prove to be beneficial in the longer term. It would be maybe. better if you could do it gradually rather than a big shock mm. because even healthy businesses kind of don't know where they stand. Yeah, if they, it all falls over in the space that, that's of That's right. Yeah. If, it, if it happens really quickly. I'm, I've yeah. never been a business person, so yeah. I don't really understand. But am I right in assuming there are a lot of small to medium-sized businesses who basically are always uh, just getting by mm. on a cash flow? Just making a living. And that just. they can have a successful business over many, many, many years just because of that constant cash flow coming through the business. As soon as you stop that, it falls up, falls over, doesn't it? Well, I think what you're saying is they're just marginal in that they're only ever just paying their debts and paying themselves enough and there's never much left over is mm. kind of what you're saying. Yeah, and like yes. a, lot of, a lot of cafes and, and restaurants. And there's a and lot of like mum and dad businesses out Airlines. there. There's a lot. And so the point is uh, big problems ahead come October. That Mm. um, There'll be thousands of businesses falling over, won't there? It seems that way. So if you're in business, think carefully about whether you are going to give credit to your customers and Mm. start taking uh, cash only um, because even what might look like a solid business could be shaky very soon. And don't take anything you hear on this podcast as financial advice. Indeed, and we're going to get to that. Don't take financial or legal advice from a podcast and <laughs> seek your own professional advice. Will and the we- podcast survive yeah, financially? <laughs> <laughs> will will yeah. it be one of those businesses? Will the beer like sponsors be able to <laughs> yeah. afford the beer? Indeed. Actually, we've done all right with patrons in, oh, this, good. in this coronavirus era. Yeah, good. quite a few people have yeah. signed up in the last couple yeah. of months. I'd just yeah. like to say good day to Scott if he's listening yeah. and let him know that I'm drinking a uh, Brewdog Punk IPA because that's what he used to do when he was on here. He did. That's how I got involved with the show as the beer sponsor. Yep. So Scott may be back next month. He's having a time off. Yeah. So hello in the chat room to Kobe, Wheat Watcher, uh, Xanthi and Ross. Right. China. Shall I just give an initial spiel and then you can just decide whether I'm speaking shit or not. But um, I've got – this is a delicate – matter of diplomacy, Australia's relationship with China. And fortunately, dear listener, I have experience in delicate diplomacy. You have experience? Yeah, I do, yes, I do. I'd be a terrible Tell diplomat. Us about, yeah. I'd be a terrible because, diplomat. Because I work in the Australian art supplies industry oh, and nothing yeah. is more delicate and more complicated than that. Let really? Me tell you. Yes, yes. <laughs> and here's the reason, because in most industries you've got suppliers and you've got customers of some sort. And mm. they usually only have the one hat. Like you normally, you're the person selling something and they're the person buying something. And it's usually a fairly uncomplicated relationship. <laughs> but in the Australian art industry world, there's a lot of, we've got a number of customers who have retail shops that we try to supply stuff to. They're our customer. But at another level, they're also running wholesale businesses where they're competing with us and trying to sell their sort of similar products to other shops. So they're both there's a lot of players who are yeah. both wholesalers and retailers. Yeah. So 
I'm a bit of an observer and I don't get too involved in it, um, but I hear a lot of the stories. And so you'll be having a meeting with somebody where at one point you've got a hat on where you're the supplier and they're the customer, hey, why don't you buy this? And then at the same time, though, they are your competitor. Mm. You don't want to tell them too much about what you're doing because they might use that information and, yep. and whatnot. It's a, and it's a tricky relationship because you want to keep them on side as a customer to keep buying stuff, but there's always a tension because you're competing with them in selling stuff to other people in other shops. Does that sound tricky? It does. In fact, uh, it sounds like you've missed your true calling in life, Trevor. So here's the point point with China. We have a couple of different relationships with them. We are trying to sell them stuff. Mm -hmm. Like that's a significant relationship. But on the other hand, we have $123 billion worth of stuff every year. But on the other hand, we take our hats off and we have this other relationship of sovereign nations arguing over stuff that nations argue over mm. and who their alliances are with and and what other countries they control or don't control or mm-hmm. seaways or mm-hmm. all that sort of and stuff. And we're buying stuff. Yeah. So we're selling, buying yeah. and but from our point of view, most of it is we're selling stuff rather than buying stuff. But yeah, we do need Chinese goods and mm-hmm. come coronavirus time we needed masks, masks. And, and ventilators so so it's a relationship so so back to the art industry when you're dealing with somebody and you've got to at some point you have to make a stand and say no I can't agree to what you want sorry but here are my legitimate reasons and I hope you understand mm please keep buying though my products from you because I think you should see that I have legitimate reasons for disputing with you in these other areas. And you don't go out of your way mm. to piss off your best customers. Mm. You, don't, you don't start fights <laughs> if you can help it. Sounds like common sense to me. Yeah. Well, have, Astra- and, and if you do start a fight, it's, a, it's one where you know you've got some possibility of getting what you want. If there's no chance, you don't start. Mm. So to me with China, what we've done there is we've said we've picked a fight with them over something that we cannot win. So we said to them, and this is where you need to get to the history of what happened in the last few months, we said to them, we think there should be an inquiry that mm. looks into how the virus started in the wet markets of Wuhan. And we also said... I don't think we said that. No, we did. Did they mention they wet didn't, markets? They didn't mention Wuhan. Uh, well, in China, but obviously referring to Wuhan. Mm. Uh, let me just see. Uh, let me find the exact point. Um, Here's, here's what Morrison said on the 23rd of April, or this was the, the sort of inquiry that they wanted, was um, that World Health Organization investigators would be given the same powers as weapon inspectors to forcibly enter a country under an Australian government plan to avoid a repeat of COVID-19 global epidemic. And they called for an international review of wildlife markets. Yeah. And the new powers which Morrison was suggesting were drastically alter the operation of the World Health Organisation by giving it power to go into a country 
to investigate a disease outbreak without the express consent of the nation's government. That's what Morrison was asking for. Mm. There's absolutely no way that China would ever agree to that. I don't think very many countries would, would they? Of course not. So So why did he even say that? Exactly. Who would agree Mm. to that? All you're doing is saying you're some shitty tinpot little developing country that we can push around. Like, Mm. tell me about the embarrassment that China felt. What is it, 100 years of embarrassment? 100 years of embarrassment, yeah. Like, they deeply resent. Deeply, deeply resent the humiliation of the 19th century in particular, yeah. Humiliation. 1830 to 1930-ish, 100 years, yeah. yeah. It's deeply ingrained in them, the humiliation, and they will never, ever again suffer that humiliation. No. You don't have to be a, a, a diplomat with 20 years' experience to know that and to know that this proposal was simply insulting and outrageous to a customer when you didn't need to be. Yeah, well, yeah. It, it, I it, agree with you. I think Morrison was incompetent if he actually said that. Absolutely. I've got I mean, it he from... could have couched it in, in a much better way, couldn't he? Of, that of... there's a big problem for the whole world. Yeah. We need an inquiry. We need to understand how it happened. Yep. Mm. I think that's fair enough. I don't think there's yep. anything unusual or extraordinary about having an inquiry. No, yeah, but I thought he was just asking terms. if if we could come in. No. If the outside world could come in. He wasn't whole... asking. It was no, a, more was of saying, a demand. He was saying it was going to be like weapons inspectors. Yeah, we're going to kick <laughs> down your front door <laughs> yes. and storm yeah, in. Without the express consent of the nation's government. Like, mm. There's no way that, that China would never was happen going... in China. But... Exactly. So that was just picking a fight and insulting a customer. Now, okay, you, what he should have said was, China, let's work together and what will you agree to in terms of an inquiry? Like there's a thousand different ways he could have phrased it that would have, mm. but he was never going to achieve that purpose and it was basically the day after he'd had a conversation with Donald Trump. So <laughs> it, it really looked like, and Trump at the time was blaming China for the, for the world's problems. So it really looked like uh, that Trump just said to the Australian lapdog, go and stir up some trouble, why don't, why don't you try and get this done? It's mm. You can see how that perception would arise. Yeah. yeah. So, um, But then Birmingham, our trade minister, I think he's been extremely uh, diplomatic and, and, and speaks very well. I, I don't mind Birmingham, yeah. but uh, I think Little Proud's a nutter because Little Proud has come out. What's his position? Uh, agriculture. Agriculture. Oh, right. Yeah, because what's happened now is uh, China has agreed to an inquiry Basically, the, the WHO will conduct to look at the world's response mm. to the pandemic, right? So that's what China's agreed with, which is a completely different kettle of fish. Yeah, they haven't, they haven't agreed little, to little let proud the world's response. China. Little Proud has said, oh, there you go. Well, with China's agreement to that, that proves that Australia is a world leader on this issue. And China has come back today and said, you fucking idiot. That's a joke. Okay, so speaking so, of diplomatic language, yes. the Chinese have violated that. They didn't say, actually, you're a fucking idiot. No, they, they did. No, they said, uh, it's a joke. Yeah, and, and which is not very different, is it? Well, I think if I was a Chinese, I'd have said it. <laughs> if, you've, if you've suggested that you're going to send in weapons, in, like a weapons inspector, into our country without consent, and now, you're just, now we're saying, well, we'll talk to the WHO and we'll agree to... Like, 
honestly, good on China for saying, you dickhead, I reckon. Well, they're not being very diplomatic. I mean, who's Morrison fucked up. Birmingham, I think, has handled the matter very, very deftly. And uh, now the Chinese, you know, embassy in Canberra basically don't care how we feel about anything. They're like, no, you guys are a joke, you know. I mean, that's not very diplomatic, is it? Well, they're basically saying we've got power and you don't. Oh, very much so. And we're going to exercise some of that power. So if you want to insult us, we'll just have a check out some of this retaliation. Like just exactly feel this. Yes, that's what superpowers feel this do. pain. That's what superpowers do. That's what people with power do. When you get pissed by somebody, you say, "Hang on a minute, I you can't do be that." Like that? No. <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, but you know, essentially, um, this was a hopeless endeavor that just wasted goodwill yeah. unnecessarily. Mm. Completely Sounds like it. amateurish. What goodwill there was because, let's face it, the relationship's been a bit strained for a while now. Yeah. So um, it would be a tough gig being a diplomat though, wouldn't it? Uh, like, well, it would be if Morrison's <laughs> shooting his mouth off like that. So yeah. it, it doesn't have to be though. Like, I wonder if, why he shot his mouth off. Like because he's, he's got a backbench full of nutters like Feveriati Wells and Hasty and people who are just China haters who are just egging him on. Okay. So, there's a bunch of them there. There's a lot of anti-China rhetoric out there from these people mm. who see the evil communist empire. And as mm. we discussed last it week, it is. They're Paul, right on that point. Paul, no, Paul the evil <laughs> or the, com- the, the evil Paul. or the communist part. They're not communist. They are communists. Communism is the state ownership of the means of capital. Not anymore. Control Trevor. of the, production. That, that, that Try to the, keep up. This that, is the, the 21st century, Trevor. That, that, the definition of communism's changed. Communism now is the communists control the government yeah, yeah. and they let you run your business as long as they get their, their kickback. Here's a, here's a lesson. You know when you see something like the People's Democratic Republic of Congo or something? Yeah. Well, just because they have... Democratic in the name <laughs> really? doesn't mean it is. That's false advertising. Mm. So <laughs> when, the North well, Koreans call themselves democratic as well. Yeah. So when you have, you know, <laughs> when you have the Communist Party, it, it doesn't mean that they're communist. And in fact, they've said communism is our goal. It's not where we are. So, yeah. so it's seriously, Paul. They're not communist because. Um, there's so many billionaires and millionaires in China now. So much is privately owned, and it's a market economy. Like it's yeah, not they don't a, directly control production, but yeah. I, they probably indirectly there, control. There, it. there are certain um, certain things like Huawei would be owned by the government, for example. Now Huawei is a good example, right? Mm. So that was a case where Australia was right to say, "No, we're not letting you." So you agree with that? Yes. On what like, grounds? Uh, because Huawei's clearly um, a part of the, the government arm. You wouldn't allow any government to control your telecommunications. You wouldn't allow any foreign government to control it. So that's one where, as, as a minor power, we could say to China, no, and here are our reasons, and we can actually get what we want because we get to decide no. In the same way we could say we're going to stop all flights from China because we can. We can say mm. we're going to stop. But we, we can never say to them, we're going to force you to take 
uh, COVID inspectors whenever they want to into your country. We just mm. can't force them to. There's a big difference there. You've got to mm. know when you've got a chance of winning yeah. and when you don't. So, Look, I still think you're wrong about the Chinese Communist Party. They're very much a communist party. They've just decided that... A market economy works better and serves their purposes, but they're they still a communist that, party. They learned that lesson the hard they're way. Not, they're not interested in in people owning the means of production. It's not anymore. The, no, no, they've changed so their economic not, model. That means they're not communist. Well, this is a, a being in the communist party gets you an inside running to being part of the oligarchy. It's an it's an oligarchic market economy. Yeah, it's it's. Capitalism, But you could use the same reasoning to say that no Communist Party ever has been a true Communist Party. No. Couldn't uh, you? No. You could find some examples of, of about, uh, well, Cuba, you could say, was communist. Really? Yeah. So there would be different states at different times, you could say, were communist. So but you couldn't say that today's China is communist. If you were starting a business in China yeah. and you were Chinese, yeah. it would pay to be a member of the Chinese of Communist course. Party, wouldn't it? Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> it's, it's, if, you're, if you want your business to succeed. Ab- absolutely. Get and if you're not a member, running, so the they're not controlling zero. it directly. You pay kickbacks to the local uh, party mm. representative. Of course. Or, mm. of course. They have their hand but, in everybody's pocket. Yeah. Mm. So it's a means of acquiring power, but it's entirely different to being a communist state. We need a new definition for what they are. Quasi-communist. I think they're just a <laughs> communist party that are adapting to the You agreed to this last year, last, last week, two weeks ago, you agreed to, with me when I that said... That they're not communists. Yes. You said, I'd never thought of it that way. I guess you're right. Look, I think you could, you know, you can make all sorts of arguments to suit your purpose about communism, about capitalism, have, whatever. Have a read of Archie Brown, The History of Communism. And and it gives a really good explanation of how communist states have have risen, evolved, fallen away, and it's clearly not communist. I've been as, reading quite a lot about uh, communi- about China right. in the last few weeks. Right, I've well, been swatting right. my uh, my university. Yeah. Okay, well, well, when you've textbooks. got you know a, an oligarchy of princelings owning everything, mm. that's capitalism. That's not communism. That doesn't make them capitalists. It's not communist. Okay. We agree to disagree. Maybe it's somewhere in between. I think but, it's but just... But hang on. I've given a definition of, of communism, meaning the, the state ownership of the means of capital, right? Yeah. That's communism. I now, think it's tell state, me, in, state, own, state control of production. Ownership as well. Ownership just, and control. Okay. So but, you tell me what's your definition of communism that it falls within. They probably control it, but... Don't own yeah. it, but but America controls its economy. I think they've they've just adapted to the times, and they've so realized give me a definition of communism that, that that makes them communist, but doesn't make New Zealand communist. I'll get back to you with my definition next week. Okay, but what I what I would say is that because um, you just can't say oh they're not. You have to every like, communist party has adapted it to their own circumstances. The Russians got Leninism, you know. They, they even called it Marxist-Leninism, you know. Mm. In China it became Marxist 
um, you know. But, but you see, it doesn't Mao's matter what labels thought. you give it. The T- People's Democratic Republic of Congo isn't democratic. Like just because you give it a label, you have to look at the underlying truth mm-hmm. that's there. Mm-hmm. In the chat room, good on you, everyone in there. Um, Blair Steele says it's very hard to change the cash if you've given a line of credit to your customers. That's where I said don't give credit. But what you do is you offer them a discount and convert them to COD. So uh, get them in that way. Right. Um, Okay, um, what else did I want to say about, uh, about China? China? Yeah, so here's the other thing is uproar about um, beef and, and barley. Ba- and barley. Um, yeah, so barley. So Wheat Watcher's in the chat room and Wheat Watcher mm. sent a message earlier saying, don't you dare link <laughs> barley to COVID. And I think he's right. Mm. So, I've the got media a, certainly has linked it. Yes. So um, and the beef. So I've got a link to an article about uh, dumping, and this is got by a guy called Wei Wei Huan Xu. That's Chinese for Wheat Watcher, I think. Isn't it, it? Could, it could be. It's very close. Your Chinese wheat, is very good, Trevor. Yeah, Wheat Watcher. That wasn't you. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, He's in this article. This guy is saying that uh, this whole problem of anti-dumping stuff has been gurgling away for years. In essentially, Australia um, basically accused China of dumping steel, cheap steel, mm. and among in, other in, things, in a, yes, and amongst a whole bunch of other things, a whole bunch of other things, and has accused of China and has therefore imposed sort of extra duties and sanctions on Chinese products. Mm. And really his article is saying this is a response to that where China's saying we've had enough of that and Mm. we'll take on barley. And they've done it because it's one of those ones where it's going to be really difficult to sell the barley anywhere else and um, it's going to cause sort of maximum pain and Mm. China can easily get the barley from somewhere else if Mm. it needs to. So... So it seems to be more of a a response to the the, the anti dumping sort of. Um, can can stuff. you just explain to the dear listener what mm. dumping is? Yes, so dumping is where. Uh, so the Chinese are saying that the price for the barley, as it's landed in China, that we're selling it to them for, yes, is cheaper than what barley is sold for in Australia. So. There's funny business going on that means right. that that you are providing some subsidy somewhere along the line that um, and, and countries don't like it when a product is dumped on them because mm. it, it often then means that their own industry can't compete properly. Could that so. possibly be that we're <clears throat> selling 95% of the barley that we produce to China and it's just so cheap because of the volumes like? Um, I imagine there is some economies of scale effect that you've still got to ship it across an ocean. Yeah, that, that would surely add some cost. You've got yeah. to pop it in a ship, get it across there, and unload it. Like, I just imagine that we sell a lot of barley. Yeah, to, uh, to China look, and China has been accused of dumping for many, many years now, and mm. not only by Australia but by a whole range of countries, particularly the United States. China was dumping, according to the Americans, a whole range of products, like, but you know, uh, very important products like steel, for example. Yeah. 
and it put American steelmakers out of business. Yeah. I think it probably put some Australian steelmakers out of business. It could do. If you allow dumping to happen. Yes. Yes. But, yeah. But we're, we're producing it and selling it to Chinese markets mm-hmm. cheaper than what the Chinese, can, the Chinese barley growers can grow it. That's, that's the main problem, isn't it? They're trying to protect their own industries. Th- that's normally the rationale for... Mm. Complaining about anti-dumping, mm. uh, complaining about dumping. That's so. I imagine the there's some barley that's grown in China, and it's but, sending but, the Chinese. But it could well farmers be, under. But it could well be that they've just picked this as a product where maybe there's not a strong barley producing sector in China, mm. but they've got lots of options to get barley from somewhere else. Yes. They can see they can score a few points, <clears> and they um, cheaper have, and better have, quality. Have picked elsewhere. this one as an easy one. Wheat but, watcher, who literally is a wheat watcher, like he yeah. looks at grain and he, stuff. In the chat should room, be talking to him about this. Well, he said uh, there are quite a few factors. I don't think COVID is one of them. And he says, you are kind of on the right track, dot, 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 dot. Well, that's good. <laughs> that's very diplomatic. Yeah, kind of on wheat the right watcher. track. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, so, so with the barley, um, it seems to be that this is a long-running thing and China's saying – and Has anyone asked, uh, are there barley producers in China whose business is threatened by... I thought that's what dumping was all about. That's I, what I thought it was usually not about. so much that you were selling it to an ex- overseas um, market cheaper than what you were selling it to customers in your own country. Apparently it was... it's for brewing beer and stuff, isn't it? Yeah. Is Wheat right? Watcher, is there yeah. a barley... Um, the barley industry in China. Yeah, but we've got a free trade agreement with China, so I, I would have thought all of this would have been... No, you still can't do dumping under a free trade agreement. No, but trade... I thought anti-dumping clauses would have been written into free trade agreements. Like what's, well, there's a World Trade or, Organization. Or price there's, limits. There's, there's an international World Trade Organization agreement on dumping. So yeah. this is under the general agreement. It's not necessarily under the free oh. trade agreement. So this applies to any country. Okay, so the yeah. barley doesn't fall under the free trade agreement. That Well, even if it's even with free trade, a free trade agreement you can still says, bring a dumping charge against another country. A free trade agreement simply says between these countries we agree we're going to have really low or non-existent duties to encourage trade. That's what a free trade agreement does. So does it limit it quantities? It still doesn't mean – and it depends. There's, on a free trade agreement, there's all sorts of exceptions and limitations and provisos mm. are written in for yeah. various industries. Like we had a free trade agreement with America and like we thought, great, we'll finally be able to sell sugar to the Americans. And they went, oh, actually no. Except not, for sugar, right? Yeah, yeah. Sugar's not counted. We don't, not, <laughs> sugar's off the table. So These free trade want, agreements we don't take decades yeah, yeah. to hammer out yeah. and you're telling me they've got no detail in them. <laughs> like what, <laughs> right. what are they talking about for 10 years? You know, yeah. if, they, if they haven't got prices and quantities. and right. Anyway, Wheat Watcher says the anti-dumping claim is specifically in relation to 2016 Australian barley crop in that season, we produced a record-breaking crop. Right. There you go. And the Chinese have accused Australia of subsidising it through things like uh, fuel, excise. Um, you know how the, the government doesn't charge excise or they, re, they reduce the amount of excise they charge on f- diesel fuel on farms? And, there and was, mines. Hmm? And mines. And mines. Yep. And there was one more thing. Uh, that I read in one report, and it was about the government investing money in infrastructure for the Murray-Darling 
basin irrigation uh, scheme. Yeah. Now, the Chinese are saying because the Australian government put money into the immigration infrastructure, irrigation, sorry, not immigration, obviously, um, that they're counting that as a subsidy. But the Australians made the point that a lot of this barley comes from Western Australia, which is about as far in Australia as you can get from the Murray-Darling Basin. So clearly it's it's not relevant, Mm. at least in... Some, maybe some maybe you should get Wheat Watcher on to explain well, dumping and he said, barley. He said, us. "Send me the Zoom link." And, oh, right. and this is really testing my uh, <laughs> my, my um, stuff here. So we'll see if if he can join us. And your uh, ability to multitask is fantastic. Well, don't speak too soon. Um, <laughs> so we'll see if he turns up in the Zoom. I'll be trying to see you there, Wheat Watcher, if you can zoom in. Mm. So. So anyway, here's the thing that gets me about this is the uproar about China flexing some muscle on trade. And how dare they? In but, response to COVID-19. Well, like, or, or just in response to our mm. anti-dumping stuff. Like this sort of tit-for-tat um, sort, of, um, um, sort of action between countries is quite normal. So... Wheat Watcher, it's on the screen. If you look on the screen, you'll see under my picture is the link detail. So look for it there. Um, mm. So to give you an example, with, um, with beef, like we um, last year, we used to export a lot of beef to the EU. Mm. And the reason we did was because the EU had a fight with America over labelling and some Hormones. other sort of things. Hormones. Yep. Yep. So then what did America do? They applied pressure and said, oh, we're going to get rid of... Uh, we're not going to buy we, your cars. We're going to do some other thing with you, which put pressure on them to they say, oh, mm-hmm. actually, okay, we're going to start buying beef from you, and that means we're no longer buying beef from Australia. And, and it's and, just normal part of doing business. Exactly. And yeah. when did people say, oh, those goddamn Americans, they're taking our beef business yeah, off yeah. the EU. Where, where, where <laughs> Bit were of a they? double standard. Like if you yeah. want to gripe about China doing... Mm this sort of activity, then gripe about, you know, all the other ones that they do. Yeah. Or, or uh, you know, if you want to gripe about a country taking away some of our business, we signed up for fighter jets from the US and we agreed to buy 72 jets for $17 billion. And part of the deal was some of the parts will be made here, which will be worth about $1.3 billion, Right. Donald Trump, a couple of days ago, that's a crazy idea. We're not going to do that. We should be making all this stuff here in good old US of A. Fuck that. American jobs. And and what? There's what did, nothing in the did, media about that. Scott Morrison's response, oh, I hope it's just electioneering bluster from Trump. You know, He said he'd wait and see what happens. Mm. But where is the outrage? If you're going to be outraged mm. about China screwing us. Be consistent. Be consistent about mm. when... Yeah. Where's the outrage coming from, though? Because I don't think – I haven't seen any outrage from the Morrison government. I've just seen outrage from the media and, and links being drawn between their tariffs on barley and beef and links being drawn back to COVID-19 because it makes a good story. Um, and I, I imagine if you were to um, quiz the average Australian – 
about this and ask them, why is China doing this? They would, wouldn't hesitate to say, oh, that's because we wanted an inquiry into um, the yeah, origins barley, of COVID-19. Barley, obviously. Is, and there's no evidence to suggest that it's got anything to do with There is evidence, actually. What evidence is it? Uh, apparent, well, the timing. With the beef, yeah. um, it would appear that the beef is about fine details, you know, like regu- it's, it's a regular Yeah, yeah, labelling and, yeah, stuff and it's like been that. going on for... No, it hasn't. Well, it may well, but uh, the beef, one of the beef producers uh, in question was interviewed and he said, look, this is not the first time, it's not new, mm. we're used to dealing with this kind of um, compliance issue. He called it a compliance yeah, issue. Yeah, I just think it's... But it would appear that to... they picked on just four particular beef producers. And one of them's Chinese, part Chinese-owned. As, 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 a, as a sample, just to demonstrate what they can do to us. You know what I mean? They didn't pick on every beef exporter to Australia. They just picked out a few and said, okay, we'll, we'll block these ones to start with and, mm. and see how you guys like that. Mm. And if mm. you think that we're not serious. But that's not damning evidence to say that we're doing this because it's not damning yeah, evidence but the timing but it's, is like, it's a pretty strong indication it, that there is a link between yeah, but if between in the a, beef and the uh, in COVID a court of law that wouldn't stand up as evidence would it it's ah. highly speculative so the, the timing is suspicious very that, suspicious. that's the timing that's yeah. it yeah um, but when you said i don't see anybody complaining well have you have you been reading the letters to the editor in the courier <laughs> mail I, I read them religiously trevor but this one is from Nick Barker at Stafford. It's time our government started playing hardball due to China's suspension of beef exports and the possibility of an 80% tariff on Australian barley. Firstly, terminate the 99-year lease on Darwin Harbour and all water lease agreements they have purchased. Secondly, restrict them from buying more properties due to the downturn in property prices and the exchange rate of the dollar. Thirdly, if they want our coal and iron ore, then make them pay the price we set, not what they <clears throat> demand. Oh, that's There's so no- easily done, Mick. We'll just make them pay the price we <laughs> set. I hope Mick felt better after he wrote that letter and sent he it probably off. probably did, yeah. Um, but that's, that's the media whipping up that outrage. Yes. That's, it's not the government being outraged. It's, that's the, right. it's the media. And it's an un- you know, relatively uninformed. If you haven't picked up on it yet, dear listener, I don't like the media. Yeah. I don't think anybody puts a lot in. You know, we don't put a lot of store in comments from random members of the public, do we? No, but it's just Unless an indication. listening to the podcast. I, I just think there's a lot of anti-China rhetoric and feeling there out is. there that's being there whipped is. up and I think I'm just trying to give the other side. But look, the, the Chinese have formed, Trevor. Let's face it, over the last few years they've been repeatedly pushing the limits in the South China Sea is a very clear example. They were taken to the International Court of Arbitration for the Sea, I think it is, by the Philippines government. The Philippines government won the case and the Chinese just thumbed their noses at it. So the Chinese have a lot of form. Okay. But can I just point out one thing on the South China Sea? Like America wants to sail its ships through the South China Sea, right? Imagine if China was to sail its ships off the coast of Florida in a similar fashion. They probably do. No, they don't. Are you sure? Absolutely not. That's a good point. Imagine what the uproar would be if off the coast of California or uh, or Florida, as as close as what US ships are, 
to to China. Imagine if mm. the Chinese had their ships, warships, doing exercises there. Just I'd be very surprised if they're not. They're not. How do you know? Because we know they're not. If, How do you know? Because it's. I read. They certainly sail down the off the but coast they, of they Australia. Don't, they don't conduct the same sorts of look. When they showed up in Australia off the coast, it was yes. holy shit. Yes, Did remember, you see that? Yeah. remember when the, exactly. the Australians and Americans were having war games on the coast of Queensland, yeah, and they went. There was a that. Chinese in, uh, intelligence and, ship, and off it was the a coast. shock that they were actually there. No, they've done it every time. It was a shock. Yeah. They were like, "Where did they come from?" I don't think but, it was such a shock. I think but, they expected them to be there. Find me evidence that the Chinese regularly conduct the same sort of manoeuvrings off the uh, coast of. America. It I'd doesn't be happen. Very surprised well, if they didn't. It doesn't happen. But we we are tending towards a culture where there's good guys and bad guys, yeah. aren't we? Like it's it's becoming very black and white. And I blame Walt Disney for it, to be honest. But you Walt know. Disney. Well, you know, the last couple of generations have just grown up watching TV and movies where there's a definitive line between the good guy and the bad guy, isn't there? <laughs> yeah, and it's right. like you're either one or the other. There's, yeah. there's yes. no, there's no grey. There's no in between. And yeah. and people have taken that into their personal lives, and it's like, well, the good guys. Was it not always thus? No, you don't think. No. I grew up watching Disneyland too, and I. I share your feeling about Disney. I think Disney has an unhealthy influence in popular culture myself. Mm. But mm. Anyway. Right. Um, one last thing on this before we move on to other issues. Um, saw this one in the John Manager blog where it says that uh, how is it that commentators on China get away with outlandish statements that don't pass the most minimum scrutiny? Take, for example... Dr. Clive Hamilton's statement commenting on tensions with China and broadcast on SBS TV on the 5th of May that, quote, the United States is not going to unilaterally undertake some sort of military action, <laughs> but Beijing may well do that. Yeah, that was a really dumb thing to say. Yeah. Uh, who's Clive Hamilton again? Uh, he's, he's, he's like in charge of the Australia Institute and he's written various books like he's a leftish intellectual. Yeah. So, so but he's, he's a really anti-China. Member of your tribe. So, but he's a real anti-China sort of character. Mm. But anyway, that's the sort of stuff that happens. And nobody on SBS said, hold on a minute. What are you talking about? You cannot be serious. What do you but expect S on SBS? Yeah. What go. did he say again? He said that the United States is not going to unilaterally undertake some sort of military action, but Beijing may well do that. So he's saying the chances of America doing it were nil. Much higher not, than China would. You don't think he's got a right to say that? If he, that's his opinion? He can say it. Trying to switch it up to free speech argument? He can say it, but SBS should have said, well, based on the evidence of history of the last uh, 70 years, you have no reason to say that because if what we've learnt from previous conflicts is that if anybody's going to start a military. Mm. But conflict. It's, it's an odd thing for a He would, he would say, probably say in response to that, well, you know. Times are different. America, in their role as the world police, have got to fire a few bullets. <laughs> like He might well do. And then they, but um, in which case it proves that he's wrong if, because as the world's police, they're out there firing bullets regularly. So mm. you can't say they're not going to start something. Well, they wouldn't start something with China because it wouldn't be in their interest to start something with China. 
It would well, damage them so it's, badly it, economically. If they started a war depends. with China... It they, Are you selling military hardware? In which case, war was a good thing. Um, I'm sure there's some businesses within America yep. who would because love it, to have it, a war it, with it, anyone. Ultimately, it wasn't Because in they America's, sell military equipment, but... But ultimately, it wasn't in America's interest to go into Vietnam. Like, it was just a punch on the nose. It, it was, yeah, didn't, it didn't work out well for them. No. It, it worked it, out well for the arms manufacturers. Yeah. yeah. So, but nobody else. Yeah. All right. Sorry, Wheat Watcher, if you couldn't work out that Zoom link. Um, I think I've got it running. I can't see you trying to join, but if you have, sorry, I'm doing my best, but I can't see you there. Okay. Um, free speech. Va- anti-vaxxers. Let's get into that. Yeah. Deep breath, footballers. <laughs> um, let's start with some ethical principles and some legal principles and then apply them to the practical situations that we've been faced with. Mm. So free speech, ethical stuff. The harm principle says people should be free to act however they wish unless their actions cause harm to somebody else. So this is a central tenet of the political philosophy known as liberalism and was first proposed by English philosopher John Stuart Mill. So um, free to act as you wish provided you don't cause harm to somebody else. Sounds like a good basic starting point. Yep. All agreement on that? Depends on what you call harm, yes. though, doesn't it? That's, mm. that's right. Um, that's the grey bit. Indeed. So the sticking point comes in trying to define what counts as harmful. So um, A lot of people set a pretty low bar these days. Yeah. Them, <laughs> yeah. So, so just some other ways to think of these things. So I've often mentioned in the past about buying a faulty toaster or something. Yeah. Are you guys aware, have you ever heard of the case of Donahue and Stevenson? No. Right. So any sort of introductory law subject, you know, business course or if you do torts in law school, it'll, you'll be introduced to Donahue and Stevenson, the snail in the bottle case. Right. So Snail in a bottle. Yes. So Like a, a drink bottle or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. So up until this case, if you were injured by somebody, uh, there needed to be some sort of contractual relationship. So, but what happened in this case was that um, uh, Mrs. Donahue drank ginger beer mm. and it happened to have a dead snail in it. Mm-hmm. And so she sued. She didn't enjoy it. No. Uh, it was only after she drank the first half that she then tipped the rest of the bottle out and <gasps> there was the dead snail and she'd already consumed half a bottle and fell ill and went to hospital and blah, blah, blah. So, mm. so she sued the manufacturer who she did not have a contractual relationship with because she bought the bottle from the shopkeeper who had bought the bottle from the manufacturer. Yeah. So the shopkeeper was saying, well, not my problem. I didn't do anything wrong. Like I just, I couldn't see inside the bottle, dark glass. You can't expect me to check inside. Exactly. Yep. And that was where they basically said um, what's foreseeable and they created this tort of negligence. So um, basically you must take reasonable care to avoid acts or omissions which you can reasonably foresee would be likely to injure your neighbour. So who is your neighbour? The answer is 
persons who are so closely and directly affected by my act that I ought reasonably to have them in contemplation as long as so affected when I'm directing my mind to the matters, blah, blah, blah. Basically, if you're manufacturing soft drink and your warehouse is shoddy enough to have snails around and the process is such that a snail could get into a bottle, you could foresee that somebody could drink it and therefore if you can foresee that sort of harm could happen, then you're going to be liable even if you don't have a contract. Mm. Mm -hmm. So that's Donahue versus Stevenson. So, um, So we've expanded that then where we've got consumer laws. So we say we're not going to wait until somebody drinks the snail in the bottle. Mm. If we see a shoddy item as a matter of sort of consumer law, we Mm. can stop you from selling that item. So you have brought into the country some uh, toy and it's obvious that small parts can break off, choke a kid. Mm. We're not going to wait for some poor kid to suffer. Mm. We're going to stop you even before then. So that sort of that sort of consumer laws have come in. So with the uh, the healing church was selling the bleach. Oh, in the bottles, yes, right. We saw in an article. And so the therapeutic goods association said we're going to fine you one hundred and fifty thousand dollars without even waiting for somebody to drink that bleach because it's clear <laughs> yeah. to us that this is a likely event that's going to happen. Mm. Yep. So mm. we accept, and I think even libertarian Paul would accept that all makes sense so far. Like you don't have any issues with our society controlling people's actions in that regard. So no, far. I think consumer protection yep. is fine. Yep. So that's manufacture of products. Mm. What about advice? Words, mm. speech. So, um, case of MLC and Evett, which basically decided you can have negligent misrepresentation on financial advice. So, some report was prepared about the financial viability of a company, and somebody else got hold of that report, relied on it, and the report was dodgy. They suffered financial loss, sued the person who produced it. So, mm-hmm. Basically, a similar principle, if you produce a document of financial Mm. um, advice which is wrong, knowing that somebody might use that advice, Mm -hmm. then you could be liable. But if you're an epidemiologist and you produce a report that's horribly wrong and cause mm, and economic well, damage. Well, you that just come shrug true. your shoulders. And well, we'll get on to medical advice in a second. It's all part of the lead-up. <laughs> yeah, right? right. Stay with me on this. Yeah. So you can be sued for bad advice, right? And that makes sense as well. Yeah, if you make bad advice, same mm. as a, make a bad bottle of ginger beer, mm. you can be sued for it. Yep. So we don't have consumer laws on advice. So we don't have like the therapeutic goods thing Mm. because you can't really. You can't look at a container full of advice and go, all that container's shit, send Mm. it back or like just doesn't work that way. So Mm. what we have is more like consumer laws on advisors. So we say if you want to give this sort of advice, we're going to stop you or regulate you. So Mm. financial advice. Mm. I couldn't on this in any forum say to somebody 
heavily should, regulated. You should be buying advice. Westpac shares. It's a great deal, and uh, you'd be mad not to. <clears throat> if I was to say something like that, that's giving <clears throat> financial advice about securities, and the law says can't do it. Mm. But we can say don't drink bleach to get rid of COVID-19. We can uh, confidently say I that, can, right? You, I'm leading up to this. <laughs> <laughs> so so the point is we are you happy with the regulation of financial advice that stops shoddy people from giving it and that we say no, only people with this um, certificate and this training and oh, and even as a lawyer, like as a, with a mm. law degree, you have to have a law degree Plus, you've got to be registered as a legal practitioner. Plus, you've got to have paid the insurance. And only then will we let you give legal advice. Mm-hmm. So these are all impositions on freedom of speech that we've decided are fair because of the potential harm that mm-hmm. could come down the track. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I was talking to Deep Throat and I said, mm-hmm. so what's the, re- what's the restriction on medical advice? Mm. And it didn't seem like there's much. Like it seems <laughs> like that uh, you can't call yourself a medical practitioner unless you have got the appropriate registration, and you mm. use that in order to charge Medicare and and make money through the our Medicare system. But essentially, I don't take legal advice from a podcast, dear listener. So don't. Do this. medical advice? But Can we give out medical don't, don't, advice? Don't, don't, yeah, don't take legal advice from me either. Okay. But it seems to me that it's it's looser in that people can say medical things. Seems like, like a double standard, doesn't it? Like, you know, I recommend you drink this bleach. Mm. Um, and it's not regulated in the same way that we've regulated financial mm. advice or we've regulated legal yet- advice. What's more important, your the money consequences or your could be oh, yeah. just as bad or even worse. Yeah. yeah. So, what would you think of a proposal that if we've regulated these other forms of advice, should we be regulating medical advice to say, oh, absolutely, yeah? yeah. But Paul, yeah. you would say, what? I would say you tell me what I would say. I'm, no, sus- I'm suspicious. Can, can I, I've got something to add here. Yeah. Like I'd, I'd think um, if if a medical practitioner, like to be a, a registered medical practitioner, you have to have some sort of license um, or you'd have to be registered with the some and sort of medical. Yeah, if you gave body. shoddy advice, you could be deregistered. Yes. Yes. If you go, yes, but and that's where that doctor, Doctor Cock, was he the guy who was um, saying nasty things about people who were wanting? Remember a few weeks ago, David got, Ick. No, Is it Ick? no, there was that guy who was saying nasty things about people on on social media, and he kind of got suspended from medical practice. I thought. Anyway, I sorry to interrupt. You keep going. Um, but if you're you know, a TV celebrity like um, what's that guy who used to be on um, the cooking show, um, My Kitchen Rules or something? Right. That guy. Pete Evans. Pete Evans. Yeah. If he gives advice on diet yep. and he has no qualifications, no registrations, yep. no licenses, you'd be an idiot to take it, advice off him, wouldn't you? 
Yes, but so but isn't it isn't it? But if he gave financial there an obligation ad- then on but if he the gave- receiver of the advice to go well, what makes you qualified to give you the, me that advice? Show me your registration. If you can't show me your registration, that tells me that the advice you're probably giving me is shoddy. So I, there's that level of protection. Uh, yeah, but when it comes to financial advice, for instance, we would say to him, "You can't say that." Yeah, like, like stop. But you're, you're in trouble. You're what in- if you got financial advice off your uncle? Should your uncle be allowed to give you financial advice? Could you sue your uncle for giving you dodgy financial advice? And he's a plumber. I don't know. I don't. I suspect yeah. not. I think it but, comes back oh. to that licensing and registration. Do you know, there's somebody somebody in my family who knows mm. a lot about mm. money and finance. Mm. He won't give me financial advice, right? Mm. And I, mm. I, I've always assumed yep. that he's just protecting himself. Yeah. Even though we're family, and of course I would never. I'll give you financial somebody. advice. You can give me financial. Get a advice. financial advisor. Yes. There you go. That's, <laughs> that's sound financial <laughs> advice. But you know what I mean. So I've I've long had the feeling through this yeah. person in my family hmm. that in fact you could just about sue anybody if they gave you bad financial advice. Could you yeah, or not? I, it, or it, it might be that he works in the business. Is that maybe that sets him up for um, legal action? Does it? I don't know. Don't know the specifics, but I just find it interesting that we've highly regulated financial advice and legal advice, but mm. when it comes to medical advice, <laughs> we don't seem to have gone to the same level of regulation. It's true. And so it? that means we've Bit got of a double we've standard. got footballers and their wags mm. running around giving medical advice that mm. if it was financial, we would say <clears throat> stop right there, mm. but we don't. And it yep. just seems to me to be a strange Anomaly, because you can obviously call, and it's all about harm. Getting back to those first principles, mm. is what you're doing foreseeable well, about, that it's going to cause harm? It's about risk, mm. and risk is measured in terms of likelihood and yes. consequences. Yes, um, and my um, my input here is by giving these footballers a platform, you're increasing the likelihood that their message is going to be heard mm. by a bigger audience. And if you increase the likelihood, the consequence stays the same. Like the advice that they could give could lead to someone yeah. dying. That's that's just, as bad as just, it comes just, in terms yeah, of Just the numbers of potential victims increases. Yeah. The, mm. the likelihood of someone listening to that advice and taking it on. So I think the media has a role here to just not give them a platform and every time a footballer or a wag says something stupid, they've got an obligation to not public it. So you want them to censor it, to um, self-censor? Yeah, I think the media plays a role in this as well. Where do you draw the line? Mm. It's it's interesting, like with Pete Evans, when he produced that sort of piece of machinery with the lights twirling. Oh, yeah. The machinery. He didn't produce it, let's be fair. Right. It's just something that he had that he bought. Okay, okay. And I think he was also okay. a, an agent, wasn't he, selling so, them on? So when it came to that particular item, we could say, stop. Uh-uh. No, can't do it. But when it came to advice, we couldn't say anything. Mm. Yet they're potentially equally as 
likely to cause harm. And he mm. was fined, wasn't mm. he? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so why was he fined? Because he had a gizmo. Okay. It was about the gizmo and not his, his not words. Not his advice, not his, his words. He wasn't yes. being fined for his words. He was being fined for yes. promoting a gizmo yes. that probably didn't do anything and he was saying it helps your health and yes. protects you from COVID-19 or whatever. Yes. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. So, um, mm. so it's interesting how these things are looked at differently. So mm. people say, oh, we've got all this right to free speech. Well, there's thousands of different ways that we have curtailed mm. it if we can see that there is harm. So bearing all that in mind, let's deal with some footballers <laughs> and apply some principles. <laughs> so good luck. David Ick, um, the, the British, British guy. Conspiracy theorist. Yes. Mm. So he had a podcast and Spotify took him off. Yeah. What do you think of that? So his podcast, he was talking about links between 5G and COVID-19, right? So I guess the whole range of conspiracy. Isn't he also the one of the people who thinks that we're controlled by lizard overlords? He probably does. I think yeah. that's part of his um, background. Yeah, I think so. So, uh, yeah, so Spotify... Spotify and Spotify, Google. Is and Spotify entitled to take him off the YouTube? List of they, they were probably concerned that their lizard overlords would be cross <laughs> with them for allowing a competitor. Yes. I, I think they do, mm. but um, I would just question why they're going so hard on anything, any conspiracy theories related to COVID 19 and allowing conspiracy theories that could cause an equal amount of harm on all sorts of other different topics to just let they just let them run. I guess there, it's there the topic of the to day, be... and mm. and there are cases of people taking bleach and stuff, and mm. actually, mm. Um, so there are current cases of people swallowing bleach based mm. on advice from podcasts or others. So Podcasts. they can easily foresee that harm could happen. Speaking yeah, of so. people taking things, I saw Donald Trump today, I think, mm. in an interview, and somebody said to him, would you advise people to take hydrochlorine? Chloroquine or, or something, yeah. I forget, I forget how to say it, that, yeah. that drug. And he said, yeah, I take it. Yeah. And they said, Good. what? Yeah. You take it, yeah. what, daily? And he was like, yeah, yeah, I take it, I take it. Yep, he started taking it, yep, good. Mm. Yeah, because it does have, cause heart issues and other things. Mm. Oh, okay. Mm. So yeah. you're terrible yeah. if you got, yep. Anyway, when it comes to Spotify, I think it's okay for Spotify to curate the, um, the participants on its platform. I might have a problem if they had a pure monopoly, in which case, got to be a bit more careful about it. Mm. Um, it it does set a dangerous precedent, though, when you're mm. allowing companies like YouTube and Google mm. and Spotify to mm. do that. Because um, did you did you hear about that video that um, YouTube took down? Um, there was a um, there was a medical research center in California that was actually doing some proper scientific research onto the effects of UV light on the coronavirus. Oh, okay, right. And they 
published after Trump made a buffoon of himself um, during that press conference, they actually published a short YouTube clip, two or three minutes long, that explained exactly what they were doing. Right. And a journalist from the New York Times wrote to YouTube and got them to take the YouTube clip down. Right. Now, that was a that was a journalist attacking a proper scientific body scientific body to take down just a publication telling the world here's what we're doing because it didn't fit the narrative yeah and it kind of supported what trump was saying but was it reinstated no i don't really? think so no it's been it's been taken down mm. yeah. i'd be surprised so, if it doesn't get reinstated and the 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 journalist was pretty proud of themselves <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, a, a journalist curtailing mm. free speech, like those crazy it's just Americans. Crazy. Those crazy Americans. <laughs> um, okay. Footballers are refusing to take the standard flu shot. So this is a not. A handful of footballers. Yes. Not all footballers. Yes. And About two or three, I think. Yeah. Was it in Queensland and there's probably a few? Yeah, maybe maximum of half a dozen. They've been given concessions, yeah. haven't they? Some of them, yes. Mm. So should a footballer be able to refuse the standard flu vaccine? Yes. Of course. If it's not in his contract. but Right. It okay. should be in his contract. Now, what if, <laughs> what if the government, Queensland, has passed a law mm. to say, we're not allowing your football teams here mm. unless they've had the standard flu shot. Then, yeah, no, he's, he shouldn't be allowed to play. Okay, Paul. Why not? Be, well, but so the, the, the government said you're not allowed to come into this state and play football. Without a standard flu shot. Correct. So the, so the team and the NRL says... Sorry, Bryce, or sorry, Bill, mm. you're, we, we can't employ you anymore mm-hmm. because we can't use your services because you can't enter Queensland to play games mm-hmm. now. Is that, is that fair enough? Look, my position, and I'm not in any way, shape or form an anti-vaxxer. I've had lots of vaccinations mm-hmm. in my life, but mm-hmm. I don't think anyone should be obliged to take a vaccination. Okay. Well, he's not obliged to. He can just quit football. So, mm. so, so the Queensland government has said, so do you feel any sympathy for the employing NRL team and the, and the NRL commission saying to him, really sorry, we can't have you on our impl- books anymore because you can't play, because the for government influenza. has said you can't play? I don't know. I, I don't know what to think about it. Okay. If it was something like Ebola, you know, mm. where, because we, we know Ebola is spread through close contact and, you know, splashing body fluids yeah, okay. over, the, over so somebody the, else. You're talking about the consequence exactly. being substantially. So football is yeah. a very physical game with lots of body contact. So if it was something like Ebola yeah. and we knew there was an outbreak of Ebola in Australia, you'd mm. probably say, yeah, fair enough, you know, nobody wants to get Ebola. But if a footballer gets influenza. Yeah, they're not going to die. It's like I'm, I'm going to be on the sidelines That's for right. a week, two weeks, whereas I'm playing a sport where I could break my exactly. back in other words you accept for life you accept there's an element physical. of risk in mm. your occupation 
Mm. But the government is saying, you Fair guys point. are all going to be um, sweating on each other in scrums and all sorts of stuff. That's and mm. if you develop flu-like symptoms, mm. we don't know if you've got the ordinary flu or coronavirus. We can test mm. for it. Uh, no, it takes a while. So how long does it take? So it, it, um, couple of days, most. Well, well everybody who he's had contact with then has to go into mm. quarantine because they don't say, well, we don't know if mm. you're now normal yeah. flu or if you're coronavirus. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's why the government is saying you've got to have a flu shot because then we know if you develop a flu-like mm. symptom, it's highly likely it's coronavirus. Mm. So mm. otherwise... I see the point that you're right. making, yeah. So there we go, some sympathy. What would you, given the choice, influenza or COVID-19, I'm going to infect you with one or the other. <laughs> which one? Which one would you? Which one do you choose? In, uh, uh, just the standard flu is the Just the standard is, flu? Is, uh, this isn't a vaccine. This is the actual flu. This is, this is it. This well, is Mm-hmm. Yes, I just want the standard flu in that case. <laughs> what about because, you, Paul? Because it's a, it's a, a I don't know. Is there any question about it? Why would you consider having coronavirus, well, COVID nineteen? The mortality no, rate I, is quite comparable, isn't it? Well, I, th- I think you're you're better chance with um, with COVID nineteen because most people Being who get it our are age and fit and not overweight and. Um, you say having no comorbidities. I'm actually the, in the high-risk age the, category the, now, um, unlike you. The, the infection fatality rate, and don't quote me on this, but I think it would Thanks, possibly be higher for uh, influenza than COVID-19 the, for our cohort. The, the what would be higher? Excuse me. The infection for fatality rate. The, the mortality rate. The, the mortality rate for standard flu is mm. higher than coronavirus. For our... Um, cohort for, for middle aged, mm. it can't be correct. There's only been one Australian but, but, in their forties die of COVID nineteen, and many, he was overweight. But how many? Most of them are in their eighties and nineties, and have at least one. Most of them have three comorbidities. Ross in the chat room says this sounds like medical advice. <laughs> 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 but but but. How many thousands of people died in New York of COVID nineteen? Yeah, tens of thousands. Yeah. But how many but die in a normal year of influenza in New York? Much less. Tens of thousands. Much less. Yeah. I don't think so. Yes. Are Much you sure? less. Yes. Much less. Mm. Because every but year de- around the world, hundreds of thousands no, no, of people. But, I would. I would choose COVID nineteen. And what? the 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 main the only reason I, why I wouldn't choose COVID nineteen is because I'd have to go into quarantine, <laughs> and that would suck. But Even most of, most of the people who get COVID nineteen are asymptomatic and don't show any symptoms at all. So with influenza, you might be crook for a couple of weeks or a couple of days. But you don't have to go into isolation. But <laughs> majority of people from the research that I've done who have had COVID nineteen. Haven't actually had a sniffle, a cough, shortness of breath, any symptom yeah, whatsoever. Yeah. It hasn't affected their daily life, but and I'm they've sh- been really surprised when they've been diagnosed with it. Let's up the stakes. If you had to choose between Ebola and bubonic plague, which one would you choose? <laughs> this is a great game. I, I it's just like that game where you choose who would win out of a fight between <laughs> Batman and Superman. So, so you're saying in our age group. Mm. 
being fit. You grab 100 people and infect 100 people with standard flu and 100 people with coronavirus of our age group, standard health, Mm. that your chances of dying Mm. are greater with the standard flu. Yeah. And your chances of getting sick and showing, like, yeah, illnesses, Your like symptoms, of getting are sick. much higher with influenza okay. than they are with But COVID-19. if we were in our 60s or 70s, you wouldn't say You'd that. You'd start to worry if you were right. obese. <laughs> right. Like, yep. you don't want to be old, you don't want to be obese, and you don't want to have pre-existing comorbidities. Mm. But apart from that, um, right. you're pretty safe. Right. Okay. Anne in the chat room says, was, I don't think you're keeping up with the latest research, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> I've read a lot. Like, he has read a lot, Anne. The, but the, the antibody tests that they're doing suggest that for every confirmed case, there's somewhere between 50 and 85 non-confirmed cases. Yeah. So they, they, they've been That's so a- asymptomatic mm. that they haven't even presented themselves mm. to hospital and asked for a yeah, test. Yeah, but I... They've just had it, got over it, I just got on with their normal the life. death rate even in our age group, significantly higher. No, there's on... been two people in Australia no, no. die in their 50s and two people, or one person in Australia die in their 40s. Right. There's been no one in their 30s, no one in their 20s, and a significant amount of people have, are actually, if you look at the infection mm. cohorts, mm. a lot of 20-year-olds, they're, they're, what, what that if, cohort okay. is the cohort where they have the most infections. Ignoring that you're in Australia, mm. what if you're in New York? Mm. Would you would you still say the same thing? Yeah, I, I back my immune system right over COVID nineteen before um, influenza. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And but th- my drama would be that I'd have to put myself into quarantine for two weeks, which I'd absolutely hate. Right. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be concerned about dying at all. Right. Okay. Hmm. That's. An interesting take. I, have to, mm. I don't have the time to look at the statistics. Somebody else can look at it and say... <laughs> well, some people are claiming that the statistics are all rubbish anyway because there are so many uh, asymptomatic carriers of the virus anyway that they mm. can't possibly really get a, an accurate number. Mm. Mm. Just getting back to uh, the vac- vaccines and... Footballers. And, and no. no. Um, for, foreseeability of harm and... Yep. When we're talking about previously, Twelfth Man, about this sort of anti-vaccine, anti-vaxxers who are very vocal, mm-hmm. and the question has been, well, uh, how many people could they really harm? And the risks of stopping that free speech uh, outweighed by the need to, you know, well, support free speech. And I think the benefit of free speech yep. outweighs the potential harm that may arise right. from mm. that okay. bad information. What if you're in Samoa and you were in the Samoan experience? <laughs> and you don't want to dive They've learned measles. the hard way, haven't they? Yeah. <clears throat> did you yeah. read? So, dear, yeah. dear listener. Their attitudes have changed, mm. haven't they? <laughs> so, in Samoa, nearly 90% of eligible people have been vaccinated against measles as it lifted a two-day curfew imposed amid an outbreak that killed 65 people. Mm. A lot this, of them children. I think this well. was last, yeah. uh, this is 2019. Um, so basically they had a real problem with um, anti-vaxxers mm. being quite prominent and mm. convincing huge numbers of Samoans not to be vaccinated mm-hmm. and 65 people died of measles. Yep. So mm. 
So 12th man, maybe you would allow an anti-vaxxer, measles sort of person to operate in Australia but not in a small Polynesian country. Is that, I would, is that where you would, would? I would not gag them anywhere. Not even in Samoa? No, I would merely really? put up a counter-argument. Yeah, I, I would think that in Samoa for the next 200 years their culture will be... Get, you get in Look, they were shutting like, people down they, is not but, the solution. But they were putting up counter arguments in Samoa, and they had no. Mm. You know, these people are convinced it's by a, these snake oil it's salesmen. It's a lesson that they've learnt the hard way, and it's possibly a lesson that they had to learn the hard way. To be honest, so they made a government order, and they had to shut this guy up by uh, charging him with incitement against a government order. Like Paul, if you've got a community in that situation who can't be convinced because the snake oil salesman has got him, you would yeah. honestly let him run rampant? You wouldn't stop him in, a, in that situation? I, seriously. Again, yeah, seriously. I think you, the really? principle of free speech is worth defending. Mm. And you I run think the risk the of best... coddling your community. Look, but, but we had that, all that initial discussion Look, about the... Once the... you make an exception for, for one thing, you're, you're going to make exceptions for so many other things. But, and then what happens to free speech? It's gone. Okay. But earlier on, we had the lead up of the mm. principles of harm and the principles of tort mm-hmm. and negligence. It's a trap. And the for, what and about the, the principle of benefit? No, no. But we agreed at that point that if harm was foreseeable, and that was the tricky part, was mm-hmm. how foreseeable is it? Mm-hmm. But this sort of situation of Samoa, mm-hmm. 65 kids dying of measles. Okay. And, and, and that, that you could say we've got a real problem and we have to stop it because there's no guesswork here. We have a crisis in front of us. We have to stop this guy okay. spruiking. I would say that all three of us are sitting here in this prosperous liberal democracy we call Australia, very, very largely due to the principle of free speech. That's a lot of benefit. Now, do you sort of say, no, we'll do without all the benefit that comes with the free exchange of ideas, which is what free speech is, and we'll just uh, live in our backward, you know, retarded, socially retarded way because... You know, but we, we can't allow these free but, speeches. They but, might they might talk about things that are harmful. But I listed any number of instances that you were happy with a curtailment of free speech because of harm. Yes, and now you've just gone on to a hard line. Free speech is everything, and I don't care about the harm. But I, you've you know, in the in the lead up of this. Trap. We were we were listening a number of occasions where we said, mm-hmm. "Yep, that's a good idea." Yeah, so. <clears throat> it, I don't get it. And I'm prepared to cut you where you might say some slack, where you might say, you know what, in Australia? Don't cut me. In Australia, we've got enough information and the risks are so low that maybe we'll let the anti-vaxxers do their thing. I but, think you know, I can't believe you Evans, I can't guy. believe you couldn't look at the Samoan example and say we have to stop them here because there's, there's no doubt that a significant number of people are going to suffer significant harm. People have always suffered from bad information. We know that's true. And we have always curtailed them. Not always. In many times we have curtailed them. But society as a whole and humanity as a whole has benefited immeasurably from free speech, from the free exchange of ideas. So 
If you say, well, we'll only curtail free speech when we know there's going to be some harm, where do you stop? Because, I, I, you know, it's mm. so, subject, so subjective. There's nothing subjective our, about, our, the, about the measles outbreak in Samoa. There's no. nothing subjective about saying that's really shitty advice. It's harming people. Stop it's it. Shitty advice, I agree. And it's objectively provable. I would, I would think that the benefit from Samoa with that incident is that the culture in Samoa will change now to a culture where the average citizen doesn't take advice off anyone who's not qualified to give it. And that's that's a good position for them to be in now, like not just medical advice but all sorts of advice. Like, will, will it? Because a lot of these people would have been subjected to the vaccine perhaps almost against their will it seems. Like, So, I mean, it was a government that had to say we've got to – crack down and get people vaccinated here and yeah my reading on those articles Mm. was different in that you know people weren't being forced they weren't being held down and jabbed with a needle no they they were were, actually they were putting their hand up and saying i don't want to end up like no cousin jimmy no here it is i've got the line samoa has declared a state of emergency and made vaccinations compulsory (laughs) that's what they had to do right a mandatory immunization campaign yeah Tripled but, Samoa's but coverage did, were, in a few were weeks. People, were, there, were there still people objecting to being injected? But like, the fact I, that they had to make it compulsory suggests that, mm, yes, that, yeah. that's what they had to do. Mm. But, look, you know, we've seen mass immunisation programs in so many countries around the world in the last, you know, 50 years or so. Mm. Most people, when you explain to them the benefits, they, they do it voluntarily. You know, you don't have to force them. But this mm. this group, you had to. Well, you know, they may be a special group, but maybe so, they just haven't been so, told persuasively. So, so if you were in charge of Samoa, you wouldn't. If I was uh, the king of would, Samoa, you would have um, let the anti-vaxxer continue to propagate his. The other snake oil. the other question is, how do you stop someone from propagating disinformation? You, 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 well, you pass a law and you say, well, as they did in this case, um, he was charged with incitement against a government order. Was he a um, uh, Edwin Tamas? Was he a local Tamasesi? Edwin Tamasesi. Was he a church leader or something like Possibly. that? Possibly, I don't know. I was just a strong suspicion he was. Yeah, because um, yeah. maybe like you could pass a law to stop him working that sort of advice into his sermons and broadcasting it, or on a on a radio program or in a newspaper that he might be the editor of, but. You wouldn't be able to stop him from having one-on-one conversations with people, would you? You couldn't. You couldn't legislate against that. If he was caught, you could. Mm. The difficulty is catching him in those instances. Mm. But if he was caught, you could. Hey, just get somebody to follow him around everywhere, and every time he starts talking about, vac- you know, mm. vaccinations are bad, have somebody who's properly informed there saying, "Hang on a minute." Because the the drama do you see a there limit too is, to that? I have a counter argument. The drama there too is if 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 the if the if Big Brother comes in and starts enforcing this speech on these people, then it just goes underground, mm. and True. that adds to their conspiracy, doesn't it? It's yeah. like, look, you know, the government's making us do it. Like, um, we we don't have a choice, and and it adds to their case almost. Yep. People so, will be suspicious of all kinds of things. Mm. It'll make them more suspicious mm. of the vaccines if 
the government is too heavy-handed with it. So it's a real, it's a real balancing act, I think. Oh, I don't think there's anything balancing to be done in an Iron Fist no, government your, in Samoa. Your, your autocratic I, I tendencies I, 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 are coming my, out now. My, my autocratic. <laughs> <laughs> I want to thank the patrons. Thank you, Sean, Janelle, Craig, John, Landon, Hardbottom. Landon, haven't heard from you for ages. Yeah, Landon, Landon I, I want to know how you're handling this um, yeah. pandemic. Come on, Landon, you can get some recording gear happening wherever you are. I'm sure he's got down plenty there. of time there yeah. on his hands to do also, Wayne Oyama, Alison, Steve Shinners, Tony Wall, Jimmy Spud, Kane Birch, Bromwin Ben, Matt J, Robert <coughs> Whitby, Palais, Maddockman, Dominic Damasi, Liam McMahon, Dave Ryland, Daniel Curtin, Harry Watson, Peter Gillespie, Captain Doomsday. Send us some good messages during the week. Good luck in the bunker there, Captain Doomsday. Actually, his message was uh, we were talking about shutting off your phone for, um, you know, we're talking about the app. Mm-hmm. And whether you should have the app, and I said, "Well, I'm already exposed in any number of ways with my phone to the world, and so if I was really concerned about privacy, I mm. would have to get rid of all those." And we said it would be quite difficult. Do you know I came across uh, a, a comment on Facebook? Jody Willett. Yeah, did my you mate, read that? My mate Jody Willett. Yeah. Oh, your mate? Yes. Can she, I read a bit she of it? Sure. On one of because my posts. It, it was a very good point. Wasn't yeah, it? very good point. And I was, uh, I was just like, wow. I, G'day, Jody, if you're listening. Mm. Jody, Hi, Jody. Let, let me just find it. Okay, talk about something else while I find the comment. <laughs> okay, I'll keep going through the patrons while you while you're doing that. Uh, Captain Doomsday, Wheat Watcher, Andy Dowling, Murray Waper, Melinda, Adam Priest, Professor Doctor Dentist, <clears> Will, my brother Glenn Bell, who's currently in hospital suffering a minor. Uh, a minor stroke. So Glenn is on the road to recovery. Craig S, Matthew, Alexander Allen, Paul Waper, Tom Doolan, Tero, Camille, Kim Brune, Donnie Darker, Clinton Riggs, Gavin S, Tony Eels, yet another <coughs> Pinker fan. Speaking of which, I've ordered Pinker's other book about... Read the first one. I, I've got the one about violence and I mm. didn't like it. I was like, I, I'm not going to disagree with you about violence. What You've was it, the angels of our yeah, better nature? better angels of our nature. Because, okay, the world's less violent because we've got but people. He, he, he makes more points than just there's less violence. In the world. There's, more, the, there's more to the book than okay, that. I bought the other one, which is the world's wonderful and poverty's declining and, you know, this. That's the one I really want. Don't worry to. about the future. Yeah, that's yeah. The, because everything's going to be sweet. because Bill, my mate Bill Gates is going. To, <clears> that's the one I'm going to tear critique. apart. Yeah. Oh, this was so, on. Nice to see that you got a good open mind going into the uh, reading of that <laughs> book, there, Trevor. Um, well, I'm, this no, was on. Wasn't can, can I just Facebook put it to Trevor? Page. Absolutely. I've, I've got a. I've got a different way of putting this to Trevor. You've got the. You've got the COVID safe app, right? No, because you don't. I put you, it you on. You did install it. I put it on, and the day I put it on, I was out and about, and my battery ran flat two times. Like it just—I've uh, got a really old iPhone, iPhone, yeah, iPhone five or something, and it just—it just drained the battery in. In so you've less, taken it off. So I had to take it off. Oh, you think the right. app was draining your battery? Yes, it's it's known to do that on old oh, iPhones. Yeah, yeah, and it yeah. completely drained it within within yeah. an hour, and I couldn't recharge <laughs> it. I was running around without a phone for half but, a day. But you. Um, uh, you recommend that people install it? I was saying, why not? Because you can always delete it. Yeah. Right, yeah. And here's, it was about a, privacy, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. So um, if your phone it didn't drain the battery, mm. it, it, you'd still have it on your phone. It's still active. Yeah, I would. Yes. Yeah. Okay. If you got a message, if say that happened mm. and you had, um, you, you, 
you've you've had it on your phone for the last two weeks, mm. and you got a message at the end of the podcast saying you've been next to somebody who's had COVID nineteen. Self quarantine yourself now for the next two weeks because I've been next to somebody for fifteen minutes mm, within one point five meters. Okay, here's what would, they wouldn't send me a message like that. They would actually ring me mm. and talk to me. Mm. So that, that's the first. But thing. the same condition, and, and they said you've yeah. you're suspected. So, so part of yeah, yeah, part of the rules yeah. is that you've now got to quarantine yourself for the next two weeks. Yeah, but if if somehow I was with somebody for fifteen minutes. No, but it's it it might be a false positive. Um, of which that's, I'm okay with that. Uh, yeah, so You're okay you, with you've that. gone in. You've gone into a public bathroom, and and, in the, and <laughs> I've sat on the toilet for yeah, fifteen minutes, and the, and the guy in the neighbouring stall has been another guy. Well, that's right. I get not, my business done in under fifteen <laughs> minutes. I can tell you. You're constipated. <laughs> <laughs> no, let's not go there. Let's let's just say. You're you're pretty confident that you've not been within one point five meters well, of anyone. No, nah, but they're going to ring me and they're going to say you were in a line at at. Uh, no, they, they don't know the location. Uh, they're going to say a time and a date, and they're going to say you were in with this person in contact. Yeah, and, and you and have we've to be worked in, out you've got to be in quarantine now for two yeah, weeks. Um, Would you accept that and go oh, all right then? Well, yeah. I'll and then the day just, after just, the quarantine ends, you get another call and they say, oh, sorry, Trevor, but we've just got another indication you've been in close contact with someone who tested positive. Another 14 days, mate. Well. It's possible. It, yeah. That's okay. And then you get a third the one. The government's paid me a lot of money in recent times. Like, you is, know. Is that mate, fair compensation for what being if, What if... You've well, got a business that you need to... Well, you were asking me and what I would do. Yeah, yeah. And that's honest answer is yeah. I, I'm okay with it. But that's, that's just a scenario so that you're I wasn't aware of, like... Um, that you'll be asked to self-quarantine mm-hmm. and you may not like doing and that. possibly or, repeatedly. Or feel like I and haven't they, actually been in contact with, with someone. With 12 active cases in Queensland? Mm. It's just a possibility, Trevor. Well... You are the one who, all through this podcast, talks about the low possibility of harm to people, and I didn't and, download and, the app. And and, and and here we've got like a twelve in in three million chance that you that you could see somebody, let alone have fifteen minutes of contact. Okay, with but them. this person put so, up a very good argument why she didn't download, it was, and it was the, the argument you just put forward mm. that you might be actually. But that's how it's supposed to work. And the chances are so small. Apparently like, she lives in Tasmania, Jody, right. and there was an outbreak in a mm. um, care village yeah. or nursing home in somewhere Tasmania, in northwest somewhere. Tasmania. Mm. And yeah. they put, I forget the figures, but it was something like 5,000 people into self-quarantine because of Good. tracing. Good. And 10 of those had COVID-19. 5,000. You reckon Good. that's Good. Yeah. Really? 5,000 people having their lives totally disrupted for two weeks. Sit in, sit at home and watch Netflix. Oh. Yeah. I've been See, at home that's, for that's six another weeks. problem and, I've got. And like, the government's going to give you money for sitting at home. I couldn't boat. do that. Like, that, that's torture for me. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, the people saying, this is great. 
sit on my butt and watch Netflix it's for two great. weeks. That's it's that's boring. not appealing to me at all. Well, and it might not like, be appealing, you're projecting but- your values onto everyone else. Like you've got this nice comfortable home mm. you know you're I quite comfortable for two weeks sitting at home Clearly. twiddling your thumbs and watching netflix that would, i'm in a privileged position like some I'm, someone like me who you know has uh, like freedom at the top of their yearning hierarchy like yeah. that's just it's torture yeah, isn't it's, it it's torture for me yeah well in queensland your chances would be so low that relax was mm. so you're playing oh. the numbers now yeah Whereas this person was objecting who had very, uh, I think, very uh, sound uh, reasons for, for not downloading the app. Because, because there was a high probability that she might come into contact with someone. Or, well, that's get, how a, supposed to or get a false positive, Trevor. Mm. And there are false positives. Well, well, okay, you've come into contact with person. Oh, we've just discovered that person didn't have it. You're okay. You don't need to be in quarantine now. That's not how it works, though, is it? Yes, Once it is. they tell they, you. Why wouldn't it? They've rung you up and they've said, you're in a queue with Joe Bloggs mm. and he's got coronavirus. Well, mm. And then three days later they find out Joe Bloggs doesn't have coronavirus. They ring up the people and say, no, yes, how, good news. No, what about all those people who arrived from But overseas? he had coronavirus when he was in contact with, you, with you, so. But you said a false positive. Yeah, what about all That's those different. people who arrived from overseas a False positive contact. Were bussed to hotels and even though they didn't test for positive for, for the virus, they were put into hotels for 14 days. Poor yeah. things. Paul's, Paul's talking about a false positive in terms of the contact, not a false Meaning positive. Meaning the app was faulty. Yeah, like yeah. it's Bluetooth. Like what's your experience been like with Bluetooth? Mine hasn't been good. Mm. Like, it's, not, it's not the most accurate form of technology, right? Bluetooth. Well, this is where I'd be saying. I can't get my computer to talk to my this printer. Is what, this is why I'd so, be saying to them, where did this 15 minutes of contact happen? Tell me where you mm. But they don't have to justify their orders. You've downloaded the app. You've signed up to the app. Yeah, you've yeah. signed the terms yeah, and conditions. They don't have to justify an order. They can yeah. order you to go into quarantine for 14 yeah, days. Yeah, but they're going to tell you because they need to know uh, who are you with who may not have the app. They're going to ring you and say, you had the app and you were there for 15 minutes. Was your partner with you? At the time, so, yeah. so and you're going to say, "Well, where was it? When? What date? What time? I was at such and such a place." Well, actually, I only went into that shop for five minutes. There's no way I could be. So, do you think they're going to say, "Oh, well, that's all right then"? Uh, so if if you had the app and Mrs. Fist didn't, yes, and you were in contact, <laughs> yes, with somebody, yes. You've come home, yes, and you're possibly infected. She would yes. have to go into quarantine too, then. Yes, it should be a mutual decision of a couple. If one, it's one in all in. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, in there that case, going. it's Mrs. Fist's decision. <laughs> Everything is Mrs. Fist's decision. Let me finish with the patrons. We where did we get to? Um, Yet another Pinker fan, I think was the last one. Uh, Graham Hannigan, Mick, Mark Clark, Citizen Six, David Capley, Lloyd Berg, the 12th Man fan. Lloyd Berg, have, have, have I poked any holes in the 12th Man's <laughs> arguments? Have you, have you switched? Can you be Lloyd Berg, the Iron Fist fan now? Like, surely, <laughs> surely I've taken some of the shine off him. But anyway, Andrew Jackson, David Cox, away, Shane Ingram, 
You see, us, these people have seen, now the ones I'm going to call now have been since March, which would have been um, COVID-19 time. So David Cox, Shane Ingram, Craig Ball, Kobe, LB, P. Slizzle, Shay. Shay, who did the interview. Thank you, Shay, for the interview last week. That was fun. Uh, Stephen Twigger, Yvonne Panisi, David Hanby and another Wayne and people who are patrons outside of Patreon are Dean Ken Was. Thank you, Was. The beneficiary, Mr. Anderson, Corinne, Matt Men, Beverly Bossy, Ann Reed, Damien from Redline Digital, Wayne Seaman, Jared Terry, Obrad Puskarika and Darren Giddens. Thank you, all of those patrons. I actually did a bit of a tally up of all my expenses and I spent a shitload on the website I've discovered. The website's actually quite a big website. There's a lot of information on there and to keep mm-hmm. it going quick, I'm on this super deluxe sort of plan. It's quite expensive and the MP3 file has to be held somewhere and I've got subscriptions with New York Times and The Guardian and Crikey and The Australian and Sydney Morning Herald and The Courier Mail and... There's the Zoom um, app and there's, um, there's a, the there's RSS a, feeder and a few other things. Sorry. There's a tab on the website too that yeah. um, allows um, listeners to become beer sponsors too, isn't there? There is. If you'd like to be a beer sponsor, you can yeah. you can click on that and uh, look up. Maybe Scott can become a beer sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, Wayno um, sent me a beer, so um, gave me some money for beers, so I'll – we're, we're good for beers for a little while, but good. thank you to the dear patrons, especially those who in <clears> these <throat> dark COVID-19 times have reached into their pocket and decided to help support our humble podcast. So, I wonder if uh, any of, of the sponsorship money is coming out of anyone's job keeper or job seeker <laughs> allowance. Mm, yes, maybe. It, so you know, maybe we tough. should be thanking ScoMo as well. Mm. Maybe. So... Well, I reckon that's geez, we're up to an hour forty. Better stop Mrs. Fist is gonna I was gonna talk gonna, about my stick that I got stick? At, the, at the cafe. Oh yeah, tell me about that. Go yeah. on. Why not? So I went to my local cafe two days ago and the new rules are that you can have ten people in the cafe. So um, they've got a system where you there's ten sticks in a bucket and to be able to sit down and enjoy your coffee you have to um, uh, register your name and your phone number and get a stick and have the stick on your table. But I thought it was interesting that um, they're, they're the rules for uh, up here in Queensland, at least anyway. Mm. So, that's that's, so that's the government rule, yep. That's um, how they set and, the and limits. I'm not quite sure whether it's um, a requirement um, that you have to give your name and phone number to be able to sit down and enjoy your meal or your uh, coffee or whatever. Next, but I thought that was yeah. a bit of an intrusion of It sounds like rights, it, doesn't it? Because be you, you don't normally expect to be asked for your name and phone number when you go into a cafe and buy a coffee, do you? Mm. So wondering what other people's experiences are with that. That's some, uh, whether they've, I, I, I imagine <clears throat> there's some people who have turned around and stormed out because... Of privacy, yeah. I would be a little bit confronted by that. I have mm. to say, yeah. I spoke to my barista this morning, and he said it's um, it's it's regulated. They've they've been asked to do it, mm-hmm. um, and the intention is that if there 
is an infection related back to the store that they can contact everyone that was there that day and um, let them know. But see, that doesn't so, necessarily mean all those people go into quarantine. I don't think so. Mm. Yeah. But, you know, the intentions are good, but it kind of oversteps the mark a little bit, I think, in terms of privacy. Privacy, yeah. Mm. I, I found very confronting a photo, and it may have been just a photo, of concrete blocks across a roadway oh, allegedly yeah. on the border, border between Queensland and New South Wales. Yeah. Now, I dare say a lot of our listeners live in New South Wales and Victoria which did not close the borders. Us guys up here in Queensland, in the Banana Republic of Queensland, our Premier... God's country. Yeah, has has publicly stated she may not open the borders until Until September. September. Yes. I mean, that's an outrageous uh, deprivation of our right to liberty in this country. When we have 12 active cases. 12 cases and we've got concrete blocks. We've had two people die in the last fortnight. It's outrageous. So what do our southern uh, listeners think of that? So did you, did you feel the same when they first instituted the state border? I was, yeah, I was annoyed, I have to say. I don't think I, in, a, in the modern state of Australia where our actual states are really just administrative areas, aren't they? Mm. They're not like separate little it's a countries. It's back to colonial times, really. Yeah. I think we'd be better off without states. I think we'd be better off without the states. Although, <clears throat> to be fair, I, I think some people say we're over-governed. I think having lots of government is actually healthy because it sort of diffuses power. You know so, what so, I mean? so the point you is, you think the state borders closing is a good thing? Jeremy? Well, you see, in the, when it first happened, we didn't mm. know what we were dealing with, mm. so you kind of had to take yeah. a very cautious approach because yeah. you wouldn't just didn't know what was happening with this with this um, virus and how how it was moving and really a case where you crack down hard and then see what you're dealing mm. with. And then you can decide what to do. Um, but when have they how, ever how done many, that before? How many cases are in New South Wales? Active. I don't know. It's a lot it's more than know. Queensland. Yeah. But. So it seems that there's still community transmission happening in New South Wales, which we don't have here. I think the state that's performing the worst in terms of infection is Victoria. Right. And they have the most stringent lockdown <laughs> yeah so and also the premier it's kind of, of evidence that but that's, know, that's being where you hard get, on lockdown yeah but that's where you get isn't that necessarily cell. infected like you were talking about supercell type yeah, stuff where you just spreaders. get super spreaders and mm. there was that guy who was a delivery driver visiting mcdonald's stores mm. so he like closed down 12 mcdonald's stores because mm. that you know so you get unlucky as well even mm. Um, with the best of intentions, a super spreader just hits you and kind of throws Mm. um, uh, patterns and that sort of you can't work them out if you have a just get unlucky with a super spreader. Mm. What about Bob Catter's idea of shutting, closing off the North Queensland? Would you have supported that idea? Uh, um, In the early stages of the pandemic, there were negligible cases in North Queensland and he was saying, well, if you're shutting the border with New mm. South Wales, let's throw a arbitrary border across 
you know, above your poon somewhere, somewhere between Rockhampton and Gladstone. And he was, would you have supported that? Uh, and and the expense that that would have taken to have police on all of those checkpoints checking people and and do you know six what of one half a dozen of another? You're drawing mm. rough lines to try and control the population. I mean, if there's an outbreak in the gap, if there's some outbreak at the school, the local shops, and they mm. say people in the gap, you're a special case now. You have to do these extra things because you're in mm. the gap. I can understand that. Mm. Yeah. But the, the other problem I have is the, the way that the lockdown has been enforced. Apparently in Sweden, people were encouraged to practice social distancing and they were encouraged to wash their hands more and things like that. And they, and did, they it. did. They did it voluntarily. I don't see why that wouldn't yeah. work as well in the Australia. Most Australians are pretty cooperative. Like adults. Yeah, pretty mature, usually do the right thing. And yet in Victoria, I saw a figure today. It was, what was it, $6 million or Worth of fines. Worth of fines have been handed out in the last six weeks. So that would mean that people weren't doing the right thing. Yes, but you should. So doesn't that counter your argument? Yes, but a lot of the cases as well were, you know, pretty sort of uh, challengeable. Hmm. And some people did challenge them and the fines were revoked. I just think the government has taken so the wrong approach. it wasn't a large amount then. I think the government is taking the wrong approach. Rather than treat us like adults who can be trusted, of course there will always be a few that won't comply, they should have treated us like responsible adults and mm. said, please, this is what you need to do to stay safe. I think most people would have done it. Mm. But instead, there's, no, there's data the, that shows that people were going in and, and locking down before the rules yes, even come into place that's right. in most countries. I really object some people to the would police. do the right thing and some people wouldn't and so, some people so if you were what going difference to, would it make okay if you were going to do the right thing anyway mm. then whether there's a law or not makes no difference to you but if you were going to do the wrong thing the fact that there's a law makes you do the right thing yes but people who were not doing anything that was outside the normal parameters of daily life were issued fines for being in a park, for being yeah. away from home. This is ridiculous. Mm. Well, well, sure, but there were plenty who were doing the wrong thing. Are you sure? Plenty? Well, you just said, ah, oh, there were $6 million worth of fines yes, issued. And that you're doesn't saying mean that they were doing the wrong thing. That, that means the, that, po- that, that the police were, were very risk. active with their fine books. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, what's the question? The question is, don't you think the government should have no. managed it differently? No. I'm and quite, trusted people. No. And said, You're you a- can't trust people. Oh, come on. No, you can't. Oh, For the people who want to do the right thing, it was no problem, not going to be fined. I was never worried about being fined. I, I was. Right, doing the right thing. Because a friend wanted so, to meet me for a so. coffee in a park one morning right. and I suggested a park and he said, no, I won't go there, the cops might come. Right. You know, two guys sitting in a park drinking coffee and he was nervous about doing that because mm. he thought we might be fined. Right. Kobe in the chat room says Swedes have 343 deaths per million. We have four. Mm. Yeah, the Swedes are about middle of the pack in terms of death. But how do they count them? Because they, they were counting a lot of people that perhaps 
the UK's worse. Didn't Spain's die of worse. COVID. Yeah. Italy's worse. They're on a par with Netherlands. Same in Belgium. Do you know in Belgium? But, but, but that seems to be a way bigger figure, even allowing for some accounting discrepancies. 343 versus four? Um, Doesn't that sound like... Yeah, so then you would compare Sweden, uh, you would compare, say, Denmark to Norway, right? Both Scandinavian countries. No, but hang on a second. We're in an argument where we're saying we should have done what Sweden did. Mm -hmm. Mm. So... Now you're, you're done, go, now you're going to go into, oh, well, If we'd have done Sweden what Sweden did, we wouldn't have had the deaths per capita that Sweden did. Right. And but also Sweden wouldn't. we haven't got the same border situation. Because of lots of different variables. Right. And such, a lot of the people who died as, in Sweden died as, in old people's homes. Yeah. They did, and apparently they didn't really protect them very effectively at all, and that's why they had a... Whole rush of old people die in Sweden because mm. same they didn't, they didn't take precautions. Same would have happened here then. Well, what they're saying is the the people would have probably died eventually anyway when the virus spreads through the population. They would have died a little bit sooner or a little bit later, but mm. they probably would have died anyway. But the point so. I was trying to make is that um, Denmark's deaths per capita is double that of Norway's. So yes. what have Denmark done wrong? And what have they done wrong? Have they done Den- the same Denmark things? and what Norway have done the same things. Right. Essentially. They, so what's your explanation? Well, it's just, again, it's like what you were saying about Victoria. It's just luck. <laughs> like, and it's right. a guessing game. Largely, it's these super it? spreading cells. Okay. And but if we'd have followed Sweden, then it would have gone through our old age homes. A little bit quicker, perhaps. Quicker, it hasn't gone through them except for just two or three old the, age homes. There have been Australia. a few old, old people's homes where they've had clusters, yeah, but, but not but, every but virtually old. Un, I mean, let's face it, Australia's virtually untouched, but it mm. would have, we would there's have. A, there's a fair percentage that have happened in aged care facilities in Australia. Look, the point is. We've we, had 100 deaths We in probably wouldn't have had yeah, that many more deaths. Yeah, a fair percentage of them have come from okay. aged care facilities. With voluntary the comparison I like to make is between us and New Zealand. Like New Zealand's deaths per capita is higher than Australia's. Right. Yet they lock down much harder and their first death occurred a month, a, com- a full month after our first death. So they lock down early. They lock down hard. We've got pretty much the same population density, the same culture, and theirs is worse than ours. Yeah, but ours is four per million. What's theirs? Theirs is like four and a half or something well, like that. When you say worse, we're, we're in the ballpark. Like that just allows for statistical anomalies. Like when you're but, in that but sort their, of ballpark. But their additional lockdown didn't have a significant effect. In other words, there was no net benefit from locking down hard. Mm. Right. But like. Back to Sweden and Australia, you don't say if we had followed Sweden that pretty much we'd have had a we would have lost thousands in nursing homes. Not or necessarily. Not? No, well, I mean Sweden. I'm not did. saying we should have Sweden followed. Did, I'm not so saying, why wouldn't we? I'm not saying we should have followed Sweden's negligence with their old people's homes, and even people in Sweden are saying their death toll would have been lower 
if they'd taken the proper precautions to protect old people. Hmm. But like everybody around the world, it was a big guessing game. And their new immigrant community as well. That's right, yes. But if we had of encouraged sensible measures for individuals, you know, Hmm. sensible social distancing, hand-washing, all those things, not touching. And protected the vulnerable. And protected the vulnerable, we probably would have ended up with roughly the same number of deaths, I think. Mm. Mm. Well, And without destroying the economy. Because the the Swedes haven't destroyed their economy. That's the difference. It's not going great. But it's a lot better than ours. Is it? Oh, yeah. Their their factories are starting to produce. They're highly dependent on trade with other countries Mm. whose economies have turned to pot, so... I think that's the biggest impact that they've had on their economy is that their trading partners' economies of uh, are stuffed. Are stuffed. Mm. So as a result, they are too. Well, I mean, here's the question: How much is a life worth? Four point <laughs> two million dollars, <Trevor>. exactly. <laughs> yes, in two thousand and fourteen Australian dollars. Yeah. That's right. Yes, four point two million. Got and that wink. works out to be two hundred thousand dollars per life year. Yes, so there's a link to an article which basically looked at how much government spends in order to save lives and sort of came up with a figure, but I couldn't see the workings out on it, so I'm a bit uh, dubious about um, the 4.2 figure. John in the chat room says, you're outnumbered tonight, Trev. (laughs) I think I I am, John. And he loves it. He's he's secretly licking his lips here. He loves it. Yeah, I think I am. Righto, well... Look, an hour 56, a bonus. <laughs> See, most podcasts will give you an hour. There we go. You get two from us. So there you go. Two for the price of one. Yeah. There's so much going on. Like these are massive sort of – these are unthinkable things. Like yes. a year ago, the thought of shutting down our country uh, – uh, shutting down the border. I'll tell you what, a year ago, the thought of Scotty from marketing being our prime minister. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that's, that was unthinkable. That's right. The world has changed, you know, the world has changed so much so quickly. It is a very interesting time. And it's sort of the anniversary, isn't it, of Scotty's uh, yeah. big uh, surprise win? Yes. Yesterday, I think. Yes. Mm. Yep. So, all right. Well, to those who stayed in the chat room, there's 13 of you there by the looks of it. Um, good on you who are watching. Thanks for um, staying with us. Um, thanks for all your comments. Sorry if we didn't get to all of them, but much appreciated. And... Um, Oh, I had a a final comment. Yes. You keep harping on about Murdoch. Oh, yes. It occurred to me that he's not, you're now... Stop. You're not going to he's justify no, he's Murdoch. He's now an American Please. citizen. It's like we're going over two he's hours. He's been an American citizen for years. I know, but why hasn't the Australian government ruled him out of owning our media he because he's a some. foreigner? When he went, when he took up American citizenship in order to buy American uh, assets... Mm-hmm. He had to get rid of some Australian. Um, no, I uh, want to know why. If our senators with dual citizenship cannot sit in the Senate, why do we allow someone with dual citizenship to own a media empire in Australia? Who has more power, well, well, a senator section, or a media baron? Section forty-four is a stupid part of the Constitution, anyway. Like, who cares if? Well, well actually, I think it's not a bad. Provision myself. I, I don't understand why we have Split dual loyalty. We shouldn't have dual citizenship. No, we, we, we should be saying, "Do you want an Australian passport?" I agree. 
give up your other passports. Mm. Choose. Yes. Do you want to be Australian? Which do you want, you want to be something else? Yes. So we shouldn't have dual citizens. But at the same so. time, don't you think I'm making a fair case why Murdoch shouldn't own a media empire in Australia? Yeah, it's solid case. Let's. Thank You're you saying that no foreigners should own our media? I think right. so. Uh, he had to sell some when he became a foreigner. Well, he should have sold the lot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He is now effectively a foreigner owning a very influential media empire in this country. Let's I don't think start a petition. Is, Let's get him. Let, shall know, we start one? Out. The worst part isn't that he's a foreigner. The worst part is that he's Murdoch. So, <laughs> so whatever that's the problem. Whatever. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. If he was an Australian, I don't have a problem with it. Well, if he's Australian and he's spruiking the sort of policies that he spruiks now, it wouldn't be any better. So. Just, it's not the biggest problem. Isn't that he's a foreigner? It's it's the agenda that he has. It's well, the problem. If he was just an Australian, at least we would know that his loyalty lies with Australia, more or less, probably. Would we? Whereas with he, <laughs> he's, he's a foreign we, citizen, Paul. He's what, if to, what if we went to war with America? <laughs> just, just because a multi. <laughs> Do you think Murdoch would um, fight because, with the Americans? Because a multi-billionaire with, with properties all over the world happens to have an Australian passport. And you go, oh, I feel comfortable now. His, his loyalties are with Australia. Paul. No, I agree with you. With. We shouldn't have dual citizenships. Yeah, yeah. All right. I've got to sign off on this podcast. We're done. <laughs> we're, we're out of here. Thanks very much. We'll see you next week. <laughs> see ya. Thanks, listeners. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Bye. Fist, glove, hard bottom here. Well, you two pinky lefto communist hippies have really crossed the line this time, and I can't allow it. Railing against the free speech of an anti-vaxxer just because he wants to save the public purse the expense of vaccinating little consumers, uh, I mean children? Well, have you thought about your free speech It may well be preventing Catholics from entering the glory of heaven and spending eternity worshipping God, sitting around on clouds and playing harps. If the Muslims want their virgins, let them have virgins. If the Buddhists want to spin the wheel again, well, spin, spin away. If Ganesh is hungry, let him eat lamb, I say. I'm going to stop you, Cheryl. Call the Pope. Fist, glove, you two have not experienced horror until you have experienced the full weight of a hard bottom crushing you. Well, dear listener, did you enjoy that episode of the podcast? If you did, I've got a favour to ask. Uh, First up, tell some friends. Let them know about the podcast You'll be discussing something at some time and you might be repeating something I've said. And when you're talking to your friends, say, hey, I heard this on this podcast and it's worth listening to. And maybe pick an episode that you think's a good one and direct them to it. Like grab their phone and go to their podcast app and search for Iron Vis Velvet Glove and subscribe <laughs> on their behalf on their phone and uh, and just put the word out. The other thing is you could become a patron and support the show. So if you go to our website, you'll see a link to Patreon and there are some different options for subscribing and paying per episode. And really the amount that you pay depends on 
what you get from the podcast. So there's different levels ranging from a dollar fifty Australian to I think ten dollars and various ones in between. It's really what do you think it's worth? Is it worth a cup of coffee? Uh, is it worth more than that, less than that, whatever you get out of it, because not everybody gets the same. Maybe you don't listen to the whole thing. Maybe you never talk about it with people. Maybe you really couldn't care less half the time whether the podcast is there. It just it'll be different for everybody. So if you get a lot out of the podcast, contribute a bit more. If you don't get much, contribute less. But in any event, you can subscribe there. If you don't like the idea of a regular subscription, the website has a link to a PayPal donation. So you could just do a one-off donation every now and again. So there you go. It'd be good to uh, spread the word, get a few more listeners. And that way, look, if we ended up getting more listeners and more money, we could do maybe a second episode or more special episodes, provide some more content. So it's up to you. If you think it's worthwhile, let people know. Thanks.